I'll make them all see that I could be anything I wanna be. If you got a dream, then you need persistence and lots of belief. Yeah. Yo, don't take that. Negative energy, I replace that. I just wanna be me, I don't fake that. I just wanna be free, yeah, chase that. I got a new obsession. It's helping and teaching and giving everyone a lesson. It's living and winning and building something that's impressive. I don't wanna do the same thing, I wanna be progressive. Got a lot of dreams that'll make come true. Got a lot of things that I wanna do. Got a lot of goals that I wanna prove. It's not a lot of time, so I gotta make moves. And I'm Rodney Harris. <laughs> and welcome to a different angle. Uh, once again, it was a nice little week off. Life has been life. And so we always start with this question, which is, Rod, how's your mental health? How you feel? Man, my mental health right now is currently at a five. Ooh. And it's been, a, it's been a rough go at it, man. I've been trying to... Trying to make a nice career change, nice and smooth process, but it's been a little difficult. And, and also it's a little bit taxed because, you know, family breathing on your neck. You got bills that need to be paid. You got things that need to be taken care of. You got chilled, a child who wants to have fun. And listen, sometimes life happens and fun can't be happening right now. Um, so it has been weighing on me a little bit, but um, currently right now battling a cold. So if I sound weird to you guys, Sorry. Um, what, hey, boys trying to get deeper? Uh, pro- probably. I, I don't know. But Shout my nose is stuffy. <laughs> I, I freaking have a fever. And I'm I'm here. I'm here, man. But my mental health right now currently at a five. It's been, I haven't been this low in a very, very long time. Um, but I'm being honest. That's where I'm at. And just keep fighting every day. How say you, Kyle? Ugh, I don't know, man. Things have been crazy. Um... You know, I think the other day I was at a, when we were supposed to do this episode, the first time, like the first scheduled time, like I was really at a five, four or five, just mentally, day was a lot, plus on top of everything else going on, of course, stress is stress. Um, But today, Day, I think I'm back at a six. Like it's not the best. Body hurts a little bit, but things were rectified, which is good. Things were solved. Um, and honestly, oh excuse me, spit my tongue. <laughs> and honestly, man, um, you know, it's like what I said. Life, life, <laughs> life is life. You know, life is doing what it does, which is uh, sometimes you go through slope. You know, I think I said this before, you know, it's it's hills and valleys. You know what I mean? It's it's not always a straight road. Sometimes it's rocky. So you got to navigate the right way. Um, but that's how we feel. So, you know, look, right now we're struggling, but we're going to pull out of it because we always have. And, you know, this is why partly why we do this show. You know, we do this for everybody else. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But there's also a part for us personally. Um so this is a completely honest platform. Um, look, we always say we're not perfect. You know, so if you're coming here to expect anything to be, oh, my God, they're, they are, they live the best life. No, sir. <laughs> we go through our struggles. You know what I mean? 
Um, talk about struggles. I would like to thank Kathleen Francis and Wise Woman, which was the show right before us. Awesome show. We always know that you put on a fantastic show with any and every guest that you have on. Uh, but like I said, man, life is life, right? Um, we'll do the shout outs later. We got some surprises also at the end of this episode. We're really excited about the next couple of moves for not only ourselves, but this podcast and our platform. So, Rod, if you will, sir, introduce our guest. Well, today's guest is a very, very dear friend of mine who I, ironically enough, am meeting face-to-face for the first time. And I've known him since 2017. I've only heard his voice. I've seen pictures, but I never got the chance to meet the man face-to-face. He is a guy that called into my um, a wrestle radio show, now turned podcast behind a barricade. He would call in every Sunday and give his points of view about wrestling. But I got to know him through that show. I got to know that he's he's retired military. He's an aspired entrepreneur and a smart podcaster himself. Our guest today is Sean Young. Sean, how are you? I'm good, brother. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. I was so excited to get you on because I know you have a great story to tell. Now, when I first got the chance to ever speak to you, you were living in the great state of Alaska. And I was so like intrigued. I'd never talked to somebody from Alaska before. And I said, man, I got so many questions for this guy. Like, is it true when I'm hearing it? It's like six days of darkness, six weeks of darkness, six weeks of daylight. Is it real? I remember you answering all my questions without hesitation. You were so nice about it. I think I've even asked you a couple of military questions. And you were so nice about it. You never turned me down. You never shot it away. But as I got deeper into your story and as we got deeper to getting to know each other through the podcast, I said, man, one day he's going to have a great story to tell. And um, I'm happy that you're here to tell it, man. I really appreciate you. And let's start off at the be mostly at the beginning. But let's start off as one more thing. Sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't wait till y'all see this man's beard. Oh, it's so extravagant. It's yeah. so amazing. Oh, it he... looks like the Vikings of old, one of which would come and cut through your soul and, you know, every other body part that you have. Um, but truly, sir, your beard, I, I can't really grow one, so I'm super jealous. And that's not a joke. That's actually very true. <laughs> He's intrigued about the beard. What made you start growing the beard? It's so good. Well, it's a part of my story. Um, but I got sober in the back end of 2019, early 2020. And at the time, I had a beard that was like half this length. And I woke up one morning, and I was just so angry at the world. And I said, I needed a change, right? And the only thing I could control was my hair, right? And I mean, you look at me now, I'm bald, but at the time I had hair and I was like, I have a little bit left. I don't want to get rid of that. And I just shaved it off. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself without my beard. So I started growing it back and it became a staple of my recovery. So I haven't cut it since I got into recovery. I mean, I groom it. I take care of it, you know, because that's who I am. Um, but it's it's been a staple. So as long as I have my beard, everybody will look at me and be like, he's still sober. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And first of all, congratulations on yeah. 
and from since 2019, so almost going on three and a half years yeah. of you being sober, and that's a huge step, man. Kudos to you, congratulations to you, because that's not easy. And I'm pretty sure that leading up to that point was rough, and trying to figure out. And of course, they're always you know, the steps always tell you the first thing is to recognize that there is a problem, right. and when going into the military side of you what what made you want to join the military and just step right into that world mm-hmm. and really get your feet wet in there was it something that you always dreamed of doing or was it something that life just presented you an opportunity and you said hey let me take it no uh this could be personal to both of you 9 11 um i was in school and I watched everything on the on TV. I lived in Pennsylvania, in Erie, Pennsylvania, right between New York and Ohio. Okay. <clears throat> and I watched it on TV and I went home and my grandfather was Marie back in Vietnam. <clears throat> and so that was the day that I made the decision I wanted to join the military. I didn't I didn't know where I wanted to end up, right? Um, but I was only 13 at the time. And so um, years passed some trauma between my dad and I happened. I moved back down with my grandparents and my life kind of was like, I, I wanted to stray away and be a pastor. You know, I had a full ride scholarship to go to a Bible school. And my dad was like, no, you need to join the military. And him and I fought and I finally gave in. And when I gave in, um, I signed my contract for the army that day when I gave in and, uh, I shipped out. That was in, uh, April 2006, and I shipped out in, in uh, on my, well, from the first day in basic was my birthday, my 18th birthday. So, so yeah, I, I hit the ground running and, and, you know, I don't regret anything that I've done. Uh, there's some things that sucked while I was in there, which led me to where I am today, but uh, I don't regret it one bit. Wow. 18 years old, I definitely can relate to that. 9-11, we were, oh man, forget it. I can tell you what I was doing at that exact moment, at that exact time, chaos. Chaos as a New Yorker. Wait, something that will ever be. Okay. I'm sorry to cut you off, brother, but have we spoken about it yet? 9-11? Or like where we were? No. Like we I believe we touched about it. Well, I, well, I was in if fourth If you want grade. to. No, sure. Not okay. a problem. I was in fourth grade. Um, I remember getting up to go to the bathroom out of my fourth grade class. Shout out to Miss Mohilla. Lo- I love you. Um, she let me go to the bathroom. And I remember walking past the window because the south side of the school, we were in the old building. So it turned to the, the south side of the school and you could see the New York City skyline. So, you know, you don't really know something's going on. So you just saw, I saw smoke. But as a little kid, I didn't think nothing of it. I just turned around, went back to class, and I sat there. And Mohila leaves the room, and there was a couple of people in the hallway, like teachers. Next, you know, she, the principal, Miss Wertheimer, gets on the PA system and tells us that there was an attack in New York City. So now I start worrying because my uncle's an MTA New York City bus driver. My other uncle is a fire safety officer for the FDNY. And I have two siblings that go to high school right down there in Midtown. 
And my brother went to Mary Bertram, which is literally down the block from the World Trade Center. And my sister went to Richard R. Green, which is on the other end of the Manhattan. So I start freaking out. Next, you know, a bunch of kids start names start getting called on the PA system. Parents are come picking up their kids. And it was only a matter of time before Rodney Harris come down to the main office. But no, they just stopped calling names and they started having teachers just come pull kids. And they were just pulling us out of the class. My mom came and got me. I was asking my mom. We had to run to the school, go get my sister. She was on. She went to school a couple of blocks away from me in middle school, so we were all running and go around. My best friend, ironically, his name was Sean. His mom worked in the World Trade. She was there in '93 in the first bombing, and she also lived in 9/11. She um, she worked in the building. I don't know if you guys know the, the Twi Towers were there, and there was a building with a circle on top and a triangle. She worked in the building with the triangle. So she was. She worked for uh, Morgan Stanley. And Sean locked himself in a closet in the elementary school and um, across down the block, a couple of blocks away, refusing to come out until he found out his mom was okay. So we had to talk him out of the closet. And then we got back to my block and now the worry starts. Did we hear from my uncles? Did we hear from my sister? Did we hear from my brother? And the first call I get was from my brother. My mom, he called my mom, told her he was fine. My brother was a smart kid because he was... He was cutting, he cut first period. And when he got off the train, he looked up and saw smoke in the air. He turned around, went back on the train and went home. That was the last train that left out of that station. Thank God he turned around and went home because he would have been stuck right there in that station. My sister was locked in that school. They shut the whole school on lockdown until somebody was able to come pick her up. So my dad had to, my dad got left work early, came and came and went straight to Manhattan to go to my sister. Um, they rode in there. Um, he was, I believe he rode in there with the car, but then they had to walk across the bridge. Then it was a chaos. They eventually got my sister. She got home about eight o'clock that night. It was wild. But the chaos that was ensuing in Queens of people that were just angry and yeah. people have lost people. Um, my friend Sean, seeing my, she was like my second mom, Lisa, seeing her and like as a little kid was like, wow, thank God you're here. Thank God you're okay. Yeah. Because she said, listen, I learned from 93. I'm not stupid. I know when something is wrong in these buildings. Yeah. And she goes, I knew something was wrong. I grabbed my purse. I left the suit. I punched out as soon as I do something ain't right. She goes, right. a bunch of people running around. There was a bunch of people asking questions. I grabbed my pocketbook. I left. I dipped out of there. And I was like, you're a smart woman. Now, granted, she had to practically almost walk home, but she made it out. And right. from that day forward, we knew that New York was never going to be the same again. This country will never be the same again. And it was scary. It was a scary time. No, listen, the late, great Pat Tillman left NFL football to go go enlist. And um, there were many people that said, no, I have to do something about this. We're not going to, as an American, I cannot let this stand. This is not going to sit well with me. So as a, for Sean, as a child, as a, you're, you're a little kid at this point, like for you to sit there and see this and say, no, 
Right. This doesn't sit right with me. No, I have to do something. That that's monumental, man. That's that's moving. Because you knew that action needed to be taken. And even at a young age, I'm gonna have to take this action. Uh, well, I want to say thank you for your support. Um, you know, I, I say that to everybody, you know, people come to me and say thank you for your service and, and I don't like to take the credit for it, right? Because it wasn't just me, it was other people and people say you're a hero and, and I'm no hero. I made it home, right? There's people that died. I, I physically watched somebody die on the battlefield and like, those dudes are the heroes, right? Those those are the guys that gave gave the ultimate price so that we could live free, right? And so that like what we went through um, doesn't have to happen again. Right. Um, but on my on, on my podcast, I interviewed a, a, a he's retired now, but a New York police officer. And he was on on at Ground Zero when everything happened, and his story about like just the the chaos and the pandemonium and all that. I, I, I just, I can't imagine, right? Like I can't imagine what you guys went through. I know like what it did to me up here, but you guys were there and you guys went through it. Right. And so I want to say like, right off the bat, I'm sorry that you guys had to go through that. That sucks. Yeah, man. Look, I, I, I pray for those who were down there digging in that rubble, trying to help find people. So, um, my father-in-law who, um, just as recovering, I'm, I don't want to put his business out there, but recovering yeah. from cancer. Um, and the reasons why he got cancer was because he was down there for so long. He's also a paramedic. He was ESU with corrections, New York City corrections. So he was down there, emergency services. He had to get down there, get his hands dirty, and find people. He and had to list the names, and you got to try to match somebody with the name. And like sometimes you find a whole person, sometimes you find a piece of a person. All right. Right. And to have those images and you talk to him today, he goes twenty years later, I still can remember all the five senses. I won't go into detail, um, but you can you can remember all five senses if you can think about what I'm saying of being down there. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. When when I go every time that I go to a new counselor and they talk they ask me about my PTSD and they say you know one of the things that that is asked in in any in initial evaluation is do you forget certain parts and I always tell them no I have the unfortunate pleasure of remembering everything right like that that five senses remembering everything about it and that's like an image that's burned in my head I can remember everything from point A to point B and then everything afterwards it sucks. It does, and it, and and some people are afraid to open up about it, and that's why it's like we. That's why we love doing the show, is because it gives you that platform to open up. Now, granted, I am no licensed psychiatrist or psychologist. I, I'm just another human being willing to have a conversation with another human being. Right. And sometimes you just need that human touch just to talk to. You just need ears, man. It's okay to be ears for someone, and. For, for those of you who who had to who are currently going through PTSD, currently going through something, it's okay. It's a, it's okay. It's good. Tomorrow is going to be a different day, and always find some ears. Find some ears to just let you let you vent, let you get it out. Let's talk. If they don't want to talk, find somebody else to talk to. There's always ears around. So and if you don't, 
I'm sorry to cut you off. If you don't have the ears, record it and then delete it. Yeah. There are ways, there there truly is ways, excuse me, there truly are ways that, that you'll be able to let some of that frustration and anger out that isn't destructive. So, you know, if, even if you got to just look it up and find different ways that just might work for you. And they might be silly to other people, but it doesn't matter. Um, as long as it works for you, that's truly all that matters. You know, we always say you got to take care of you first. If you don't take care of you, you can't really be helpful for anyone else. And that stands true for everybody. And it doesn't matter what creed, what creed, creed excuse me, um, what you believe in, your color, your what, who you love. You know what you do with life, what you decide to do with your life. You you gotta find a way to take to to take that frustration out. It could be something like video games. It could be something like knitting. It could be something like cleaning. It could be something like I don't know, uh, uh, freaking shooting a basketball. You know, as long as it really, as long as it helps you, that's truly all that matters. And if people don't like it. I think the hardest part about doing that is the stigma around being a man. Yeah, right? I the, agree. Stigma, the stigma for so long is like, and Rodney, we talked about this before we hit record is like, suck it up, be a man, you know, and, and that's the thing is like, that's cool, suck it up, be a man, but what has suck it up, be a man, where has that gotten us? It's landed us right. in jail, it's landed us in institutions, and it's landed us in positions in which um we're criminalized right where where people look at us and say yeah you're just like everybody else and that sucks right that sucks to have that that stigma dropped on you and and all that because you can't like that that stigma around being a man you can't talk about your problems uh but if you do talk about your problems you you're made to look weak right and 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 that was one of my biggest hang-ups for the longest time is like I didn't want to be perceived as being weak, right? I'm this I'm this airborne paratrooper that jumps out of airplanes for a living. I've been deployed four times, and you're gonna tell me if I talk about my problems, I'm gonna be weak. Kiss right. my no, sir. <laughs> no, no, sir. No, sir. And I, I I love the fact that you said that because it, it's it, it's it comes a time where everyone has to stand on their own, and you're not weak. If you open up, I like I, we said say this a lot. Remember growing up, well, our parents said, well, a lot of our, our fathers or grandfathers or uncles or the men in our role models in our life used to tell us, well, man, real men don't cry. Stop crying. Will you little girl? Stop crying. No, no. Sometimes you gotta cry. Real men do cry. Real men do cry. <laughs> oh, I cried my wedding day. I cried when my daughter was born. I, I cry almost every day. Thank God for giving me another day. I cried when CM Punk came back. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, people cry. People cry, right. man. Right. Right. <laughs> like, it's okay. It's okay to cry. <laughs> and also, it's okay not to be okay. We always say that on the show. It's don't tell me, don't tell me, man, it's not right now. I'm not okay. Listen, sometimes life, life gets too heavy, man. Absolutely. You can't Absolutely. carry the burden all the time. You gotta pass that weight to somebody. 
and and doesn't it go for a circle? Excuse me. I can't speak today. Doesn't it go full circle? Right? It goes back to having those ears. Yep. Right? When you have those days, you need those ears. You need that way to let that shit out, man. That's right. You just do. You and do. It's important. Not only for yourself, but the people around you. But the hardest part, too, on top of that is like being that being strong for other people. And then yeah. when you need it. When when you need it, it seems like there's nobody around. Right. And that's something that happened with me this past December is like I had for the beginning of my recovery. So for three years, man, like I was strong for everybody else and I was strong for myself. But then like I needed that outlet. I needed those people. And it was like, where are you guys? Right. right. Like, like, how hard is it to pick up a phone? Yeah. Yeah. And I just went through it with one of my good friends. Um, I didn't know. And I was going through my own thing, you know, um, just a year ago today. Um, not today, but a year ago at this time, I was going through my own thing. Well, I shut down behind a barricade for a while. I, I, I had to step away from everyone. And I cut a lot of, I stopped answering my phone. I, yeah. The people would call me, but the people that were calling me was looking for my years. And I found out by one of my friends that me not picking up that phone changed our relationship yeah. forever. And I didn't know because I was too busy going through my own thing. Mm-hmm. But he might have needed it more than I needed it at that moment. And I had no clue. Because sometimes we get lost in our own world. But you got to remember that even though you feel like the worst is what you're going through, somebody can be going through 10 times worse. Yep. And that's what I said. That does not discredit. Yeah, that does not discredit what what you're going through. What what you got to understand is there's there's, there's a way to bounce things off. But you got to find a balance. You got to find, I know it's juggling. But juggling, juggling, juggling. But at some point, you got to stop juggling. The balls will drop at some point. But yeah. you got to be making sure who's go- where are you going to catch them. So I made that mistake of it's all about me. I'm going through what I'm going through. Fuck everybody else. No, 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 no. No. Rodney, you got to remember, you, it was almost, it's a, I always like to call this a gift and a curse. I have the gift to be there for everybody. I'm a yes man. That I'm always a person. I'm not sure if you guys are big into temperaments, but I'm a. I'm that sanguine that I gotta be the life of the party. I gotta get everybody together. I gotta be there for you. But when it's time for you to be there for me, I can't. Even, I'm nowhere to be found for myself. And that, back in that year ago, that's where I was. And, and I go back and I and I and I reach out now more than ever to everybody. Just to say, how are you doing? I don't need nothing from you. I don't need you to even text me back. As long as I see me send, hello, how you doing? That's enough for me. Now, I know that going through what you're going through with recovery, being retired now from the military, there are certain things that come with that. And I know the VA, I'm pretty sure, plays a big part in your life. Um, we have a show right here on PR on Progressive Radio or Radio Voices, um, hosted by Denise Nichols called Warrior Connection. Well, she is a retired um, Gulf War veteran nurse, 
who helps veterans that are suffering from Gulf War syndrome. And she works directly with the VA. And she, I used to learn from her a lot of the different advances that the VA has taken. Now, granted, I hear a lot of veterans tell me horrible things about the VA, but I also hear a lot of veterans tell me some good things about the VA. So from your experience, do you feel that they have played a really good part into what your recovery and your process out of the military? Yes and no. Gotcha. Um, there are some things that they could do better, but they're only human, right? And and that's what we look, we, we forget, right? Is as you said, we get wrapped up in our own things and we forget that other people are human and that they're not robots, right? Um, I had I had some great situations where I've gone to the VA and I said, This is what I I need. And they've taken care of it and they've they've made they've expedited it and then there's things that i've gone to the va for and they kind of shit on me and then i had to advocate for myself right and and that's not really the only thing that we can do as humans is advocate for ourselves and let them know like it's it's not it's as bad as i'm saying it is uh and and get that back up in that evidence uh, i know people that have had just horrible uh situations with the va and, and that's their story to tell. But for me, like, I, we, you have to take the good with the bad, right? And, and so um, I'm in a firm belief that, like, the VA should be benefits and, and, and health insurance and take the, the health care out because sometimes when you go into a VA, those, those nurses and those doctors just look at you as a number. They don't look at you as a patient or a person they look at you as a number and then they say oh all veterans are the same because this one or two veterans that i i you know treated are angry and so all of them are going to be angry so i'm going to meet all of them with this but like i treat everybody with respect and dignity regardless so you know i i'm in a firm belief that it should be benefits and insurance and leave the health care out of it it's just me gotcha. i wanted to hear your take on it because you know, I know I have a lot of friends that are veterans, a lot of friends that different branches of military, and um, they've, they've had some horror stories. I've heard some great stories, some great success stories of how they came in this way and they've progressed down to here and they've been able to get a home, a job, a, a marriage, have a family, and really live their full life. And I said, you know what? Anything could be better in this country. No matter what we do, um, we all could be better. And um, I'm, I'm not going to knock. I'm, I'm not ex-military. So I don't know what it's like to be walking to a VA office. But, um, you know, you see things on TV such as um, an episode of Boardwalk Empire. I, I don't know if you guys ever watched the show Boardwalk Empire, but there's a character, Jimmy, who was retired military, who go, was had a situation going on where he just needed to get checked out. He has um, a surgically repaired thigh. And this is taking place in the 1920s. He fought in World War One, And he's like, dude, I'm in pain. I'm constant pain. And they're saying, well, maybe it's in your head. Maybe you need to go see a doctor to check you out. So instead of fixing the situation with his leg, they automatically took, directed him to go get psych evaluated to see if you're crazy or not. And that's when he was sitting outside in the hallway and they called his name and he goes, he left. And he tried to inspire the other the other ex-military guys with him saying, listen, we don't need them. 
we already know we're not crazy. We just, we're in a lot of pain and we just need a lot of help. And I said, wow, even back in the twenties, it was difficult at rates of how many soldiers that come through in one, one doctor's office to try to get help and keep them out for that doctor. That's a lot to see close to a hundred people a day. If you're possible, if you're lucky with different things going on and then try to process that paperwork. And I can see that it could be a difficult process. So we're talking to Denise and I'm hearing it from you. It's definitely something that is getting better. And I'm, I'm just want to tell people, if you got something going, Hey man, hold on, hold on, just stick with it. And they're going to do their best at what they could do, can do to help you. But sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Nothing is perfect. But if you are going to your appointments and you're staying steady, keep going. The hardest, the, the biggest thing that I see within the VA system um, is, is the pushing of medication, right? Medication works for some people, but it doesn't work for everybody. Exactly. But, but you know, that is where some of the addiction starts is, is taking your medication as prescribed and it's a narcotic, right? And, and it's not meant for long-term treatment, but then you get guys and gals that get on this, get on narcotics, get on painkillers, and then they're just taken off of it. They're not weaned off of it. They're just taken off of it, and boom, now they got to supplement that with something equal to or not, or, or if not heavier, so they're turning from, from you know, the narcotics to meth and heroin to, to meet that the same effect that it would have, and then it turns to something greater than that, and then you start diving in the realm of fentanyl. And I, I, and I, and I turned around, I, I'm not, it's crazy how you segued into um, the addiction portion of it. You being fully sober over the last three and a half years, once again, super proud of you, man. Thank you. And what was the thing that, was it more of a I'm trying to run away from my past pains or was it, I'm trying, I just, I, I just can't live today. I can't deal with today. So I have to result to my addiction to get through this 24 hours. Was it something that, that or was it a mixture of the two? It's a mixture of everything, right? So uh, there's been studies done that, that show that addiction is hereditary, right? So if you have one parent that is an addict or an alcoholic, nine chances out of 10, that kid is, has a, has, you know, is, is genetically the disposition to have addiction. Now, if you have two parents, that kid is more than likely going to fall into addiction. And so my dad and my mom were both addicts. My dad was an alcoholic as well as an addict. And I just fell into that, right? And I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to be like my mom, right? Um, that song by, by Lucas Joyner, I don't want to be anything like you, right? I listened to that shit and, and it touched me. But then I looked in the mirror and I said, I'm just like them, right? I'm just so fucked up from everything, right? So it was a combination of childhood trauma, military service trauma, relationship trauma, um, trying trying to feel better, trying to feel something because I didn't feel shit, right? Like I was so numb to the world that you could walk up and say, hey, I just killed your best friend. I'd be like, oh, how'd you do it? Didn't bother me, right? And then like, and then, and then just, just that I'm sick of living. 
I'm sick of living, right? Because like I was living this existence that I wasn't happy in. I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel like a person. I didn't feel like a human being. So I was just like, fuck it. If it takes me out, it takes me out of the world. Gotcha. Gotcha. And the, the, the fighter in you, the, the warrior in you, fought back. And that, that's, a, that's, and I'm not, I'm not, not get too religious on anybody. Um, but to me, that got something to do with the man upstairs to say, hey, man, it ain't your time yet. Fall back. Yeah. Fall back. I got you. Yeah. No, give it up to me real quick. I got you. Lean on me. I got you. I'm going to get you through this moment. And you got to have some type of faith. And I always tell this to people because I know, I know plenty of people that are, hey, were, are in recovery who, who have done multiple stints in rehab, rehabilitation, who, who fell back in and fell off the wagon and done everything all over again and had to start over, and people that's been 20-plus years sober. Um, it's difficult. It's every day. You're battling. It doesn't end. That's where people don't understand. It's not – that's why I used to get mad when you, you see people when they're like, Oh well, that doesn't doesn't look like that's not a disease. Yes, it is. Alcoholism is a disease. Yeah. Like um, narcotics is a disease. Like that, I don't give a damn if it's a food addiction. Yeah. It, it it's you you you're you're doing something to supplement to take something away from yourself because you can't just mentally, physically, emotionally, you're done. You're drained. You're you're closing it in you're just saying you know what what if like you said it is what it is if it takes me out it takes me out i don't care no more and something has to grab you you have to have that come to uh, the lack of a better term come to jesus moment with yourself saying hey someone's got a gift see yeah. to me if you know i'm gonna come see you or you gonna come down here and see me because i we can go to war let's go and he was like you really want to go to war with me son last <laughs> go to war with me yeah and, and that's the problem that a lot of people don't really understand who's never lived either A, live with the person that's an addict, B, understand how the process works, or C, never experienced anything like that before. Yeah, so, I, get, I, I, I am in this, like, in the middle of this conversation right now with a bunch of different people on TikTok where I'm explaining the difference between the use and addiction, right? Because the, the use is not, it's not the disease, right? There, if 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 somebody goes out and and drinks, that doesn't have an addiction, and is not addicted to it, I have nothing against that. I can't do that, right? I know that I can't go out to the bar down the street, and and have one beer because I'm not physically capable of doing that. I'm not going to stop at one. I'm going to try and drink that whole bar out, and I've done that many times. I've tried that many times, and never worked. Uh, but it, it, it falls into addiction when with the behavior, the behavior surrounding it, right? So like the inability to quit once you've started, you know, the inability to moderate yourself, having to get drunk every time, the increased use, the, the amount in which you intake, all of that stuff, it, it falls in, into that category of, of addiction. And that's why I try to tell people is like, you're not going to go to somebody with cancer and say, it's not a disease. You're not going to go to somebody with diabetes or with, with rheumatoid arthritis and be like, it's not a disease. So why are you coming to me and telling me that addiction is not a disease when I almost died from that shit? 
shit. Like, no joke, almost died from it. You're going to sit there and tell me. I don't get offended or get upset, but it's because I don't like to, to, to destroy people for their lack of understanding or their lack of empathy. I, I much rather educate them. So, Absolutely. And I appreciate that because we see it more and more, um, especially on social media. Yeah. Where these people, these keyboard warriors, I like to say, hop on Twitter, hop on whatever social platform, and just talk about, just talk out of, the, talk out of their ass essentially. Um, oh, it ain't that hard. Oh, life ain't that easy. Uh, uh, just go do, just go do it. Who gives a shit? No, 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 no. See, it's we we see the results of that. It never ends well. Okay, when people start to read comments like that, when you're going through something, it doesn't end well. So what we like to do on this program is give people certain PSAs. Stop that shit, please. Like, <laughs> please. Like, don't go into somebody's comment section that you know is going through something and just say, oh, no, bro, nobody cares about you. That's the last thing they want to hear, man. Cut that shit out. Cut it out. I it's always... Like, sorry. I always, I always hit them with... Uh, you know, it, it's actually a diagnosable disease in the DSM-5, which is DSM-5 is, is the diagnosable manual that all psychologists use to diagnose people with mental health disorders. It's in there. It's a disease. So you can stop saying that it's not. I had somebody come to me and say, I don't believe in the manual and I'm a psychologist. I'm like, oh, it's real convenient that you're a psychologist now. I pray for you your patients. I, I pray for your patients and I hope that you never have to go down that path of addiction. Like I that that's a scary thought. The fact that you even got your degree in this and you don't believe in the manual, but that goes to the conversation we had off air. We we, we what we like to do here in mental health. The re, the, the big reason why Sean is here is like we we're not going to dive into his personal life too much. I don't want to do that uh, and put his whole life on front right. street for right. you guys to hear. I wanted to kill on some key points about his life, some really important key points about his life. His sobriety is important. His military experience is important. It played a huge part in his life. You know, and what he's doing now with podcasting and giving people a voice, same way we do here, he's giving people, he's basically essentially being someone's ears Absolutely. to tell you their experience and what they're going through. And that's one of the biggest things that I wanted to connect with you about. When I watched a couple of episodes of your podcast, and I got really in depth with it. And I was, it was a young lady on one of them that you had on. And I said, wow, this is amazing. Look at what Sean is doing. Sean is able to not only acknowledge something was wrong with him. I won't say wrong. It's a poor choice of words. That something was going on. And he needed to, to correct it. It needed some fixing. It needed some rewiring. So he took he took the time to rewire it. And now he's saying, you know what? I'm going to do as many, I'm going to help as many people as I possibly can and bring awareness to everything I possibly got gone through that can save someone else's life. Tell us a little bit more about your podcast or what you do so the world can know. And of course, where they can find it and all that stuff. Hmm. So, okay. So, before the podcast stuff, um, after I graduated my program, um, I wanted to give back and I didn't know how to give back. I wanted to give back to a program that gave me my life back, right? Because I was heading down this path, right? I went to jail 
for assault. It was alcohol, alcohol fuel, alcohol related. And when I sat in jail, uh, I realized like something needed to change and that something was me. It wasn't everybody else was me. I was, I was a fucking problem. And so when I got out, I, I started on this, on this path of recovery. I went to a therapeutic court, which is like a drug court for other, you know, other people that may not know what that is or, or like, uh, DUI court, stuff like that. They have a whole bunch of them. I think there's like 4,000 around the country. And I went through one that was specifically for veterans. And I went through this program where it was it was nine months of, I had to go to, to AA every week, at least four times a week. I was in AA every day because it was going to save me. Uh, I had to do a whole bunch of VA-related classes. And I was completing those, cla- those classes and staying after because I felt like I was missing something. And then... Um, on the back, you know, I had to do UAs every day, just about every day to make sure that I was on all my P's and Q's. And so when I graduated, I wanted to give back. And there's an alumni program in Alaska um, that is the premier alumni program for the therapeutic courts. And they hold process groups every week. And I went to them. I said, how do I give back? What can I do? I don't know what I'm doing now. And they said, well, we're looking for a veteran ran group because vets connect with vets better. And I said, I'll start one. So I started one. And simultaneously with doing that, I got my certification in peer support, which is not a counselor, not a psychologist, but it's somebody that's been there, you know, has been in, in the trenches, uh, has fought their way out and walked side by side with, with, with people in recovery. And so when I got out of that and I, I was doing these classes, right? Like, like the alumni program, they were so worried about numbers. I said, look, if you build it, they'll come. And they were like, all right, we need six people. And I blew that out of the water the first day. It was like 25 people in my group wow. right off the bat. Wow. And it, it's been consistent like that for three years. And, and I still do it to this day, even though I've run out, you know, I'm not in Alaska anymore. My meetings are on Wednesday nights. And, uh, you know, so it's 11 o'clock my time, our time. And I stay awake till 11 so that I can, you know, even though I don't want to, man, like I'm so tired. But when I log in and I look at their faces and I see the people looking back at me, it it changes. It changes me. And I'm like, I know why I'm here. And so, you know, I've been doing that for a while. Um, I became a board member for the the alumni program that I work with. Um, I started doing conferences, going to conferences for it. And then last year, I got invited onto a podcast, right? Because, I mean, Kyle mentioned earlier, like, I got a glorious beard. And somebody was like, somebody was like, you know, I was on TikTok, and I used to I used to cook at night. It's right? gorgeous. It's, it's huge. Beautiful. It's bigger than it even looks. It goes down to my sternum. Dude, I so believe you. Yeah. And so, like, it goes down to my sternum. Oh, my goodness. He covers his whole face. <laughs> I, I do beard most. I take it, split it, and wrap it around my ears. That's amazing. Um, That's but cool. <laughs> somebody was on TikTok, and I was cooking for my family on live, and they were like, "You got a glorious beard, which you know." And him and I started talking, like as friends, and we've been friends ever since. And he's like, "Hey, I got a podcast. You want to jump on?" I had such a good time on that podcast, and he was like, "Hey, man, do you have?" an idea of a show that you might want to do because you got a voice for it. And I said, yeah, sure. But I got a face on my mama. And he was like, he was like, yeah, man. He's like, he's like, uh, he coached, mentor and trained me into podcasting. And 
I did my first few episodes and I said, you know, what do I do next? And he was like, you blaze your own path. So a year later, a year later, uh, I just today recorded episode number 80. I've got two shows oh, yeah. that I do. I do one recovery and one where I talk to people about some of the cool stuff that they do. I'm about to start a third and a fourth show. So like, I love it because I love the human connection. If anybody ever comes to me and says, hey, do you want to be on my show? Yes, I do, because I love human connection. When Rodney said, hey, man, I might have an opportunity for you to come on my show, I said, absolutely, I'd love to do it because human connection. That, I've never met Rodney in person or over the camera. So it was great. I, I love connecting with people, right? Because our stories are not the same, but we all go through this this light and we find different ways to work and, and, and to maneuver around our situations, right? So I've had people that are yoga masters and like people that are psychologists and they share different parts of their stories. And I find that I do some of the similar things, but a lot different than they do. And I've had people come to me and said, like, like you say, Rami, like this person's story really affected me and changed the way that I think about things. And so for me, I, I find so much joy when people are able to connect, you know, to what I'm doing with, with other people. Yeah, I mean, what wow. what can you say, right? Wow. <laughs> For speaking that group from six to the twenty-five plus, wow. And look, just as simple as asking a question, just hey, man, I got something going on. I think it could benefit you. Would you just take? It's only gonna take about 20, thirty minutes of your time, every yeah. hour of your time, and it's be in those ears, man. Be in those but, ears and. It's so cool to see. Oh man, uh, I, I'm at a I'm at a loss for words here, Kyle, because it's like, who would have thought it? I, you would have told me this young this guy that I met all these years ago over the phone would have had this life experience, changed his whole life around, and now on a board to motivate, push and make change in this world true change we're talking about real change it's amazing man it's amazing amazing i would have called if you would have told me that back in 2017 i was like Yo, get him fly him out <laughs> here we need right him. now <laughs> well so like a lot of things people don't realize is is we've we've helped change the dynamic of the way that lawmakers look at addicts and alcoholics and people with mental health issues right and this peer movement started back in the 70s because of insane asylums where people were treated like animals if they had something wrong with them, right? This is peer movement started, started so really small and then just astronomically blown way out of, you know, way out of anybody's expectations. And right. so we, we have members of our board that go to Juneau, the capital of Alaska, and the lawmakers know these people by first name basis. And they will, they'll say, what can I do for you? We have helped people that have gotten uh, felony DUIs. In Alaska, if you get a felony DUI prior to what we've done, that is an automatic revocation of your license for the rest of your life. There is no makeup. You cannot change yourself. You cannot fix yourself enough to get a license back. Now we have helped in the process of changing that regulation where 
if you go to a therapeutic court and you complete your program, you get your license back. Obviously, there's going to be some restrictions on it, but you get your license back, right? We've we've helped funding for not just our nonprofit, but for every nonprofit in, in Anchorage to, to get them boosted up if it's recovery. You know, we are a part of the face of recovery, but we're also a part of the face of, of the judicial system now, right? Like, who would have thought that that somebody with a, a felony DUI that's gotten their fourth felony DUI that couldn't drive for the rest of their life now is the face? I haven't. I don't have a felony DUI. I have a buddy, Ron, that does. But, like, he, he, he was going away for 15 years on his fourth felony DUI. And because he said, I need a change and there's something wrong with me, and he made that change, he is now doing more in this country for, for addicts and alcoholics and people with mental health disorders than the actual clinics themselves. Wow. wow. Unbelievable. And I, I say sometimes that, you know, we, we all go through similar things. We all go through the same thing, just different ways. And that's what makes the individual story so interesting is because, you know, we, we all truly do go through a lot and there's a lot of things that are similar, you know, um, all, all our stories are what makes us relatable. Our stories is, are what makes us who we are. And without those, you know, without these moments in life that, that make us evolve. There's really, there's really. Uh, sorry, I'm. I lost my train of thought. You you can't really stop. You you never stop learning. You know what I mean. So, so that's the important thing. Um. Yeah, this is the man. Your story is so powerful. I, it, it wow. It's really just moving and amazing and we appreciate you so much well sean we definitely want to have you back um next week we're coming to the closing of the hour um we really want to talk about next week really how what are the next steps how what does the future hold for for the group and hopefully getting you guys onto the floor of the united states senate and really making it a point that mental health in this country is real um, especially for those who are veterans and I'll vet the treatment of our veterans in this country need to be changed. Um, we got a lot going on, folks. We have uh, been rolling over the last couple of weeks. We know we missed you. Um, yeah, man. But I have to say, want to just give a quick, um, some quick shout outs. One of them is to, um, you can download the Hit Trap app. Hit Trap is a, so they're going to be a music and, hopefully a um, marketing platform where other podcasts can hop on and really showcase what they can do. Um, they're on the up and coming and growing currently right now playing trap music, all hip hop and R and B. You download hit trap from your Google play store, your app store, or wherever you get your cool little apps from. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, we would be remiss to not mention that your boys uh, are currently part of CBD Media, CBD Entertainment. Shout out to the Sushio Boys uh, podcast. Shout out to uh, the Draylax podcast and everybody on the team, man. We're so excited to be a part of the network. 
Um, so be expecting to see those gentlemen uh, definitely on the podcast in the future. Also, just so you know, the Four Corners of Commentary, the wrestling podcast that I am a part of, is coming back uh, on the 24th of August. That's right. In a couple of weeks, your four brothers are back talking wrestling. We are going to switch a little, a few things up, which I'll get into next week. But yes, we are back coming through doing what we do best. Your boy's going to be on a press tour for it. Well, you know, quote, end quote, press tour, but whatever. And his press tour begins this Thursday on uh, Andrew's Hot Takes and Behind the Barricade. Uh, we're coming at you live right here, right on Facebook and wherever you can see your live shows for Behind the Barricade. That'll be Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can always go to the Four Corners of Commentary. All you got to do is Google us. It's a purple ring. You will see us. All right? You'll find us. Trust me. The Four Corners of Commentary. We're all over the place. All you got to do is look for us. Uh, Sean, please plug your podcast. Let everybody know where they can find you. Yes, sir. So my uh, my podcast is sitting with Sean. You can find me on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube. Uh, I'm going to be going to a lot more streaming devices. I'm currently working on Rumble right now and a few other ones. Uh, but you can find me uh, at Facebook, Sean Young, sitting with Sean as well. Um, you can find me on Instagram at sitting with Sean. I don't really mess with Twitter because Twitter's a nasty place. It's a black oh, hole. X. You mean yeah. X? Yeah, yeah. You know. Don't give never, it to you. X don't give it to you. Don't get me started. I'm going to do the whole song right now. And and you can find me on TikTok at the Beard of Maryland. Uh, I just had a video hit. 2.3 million. Wow. Let's go. We got yeah. people going viral on this show, baby. Yes, friend. Yes, friend. Definitely. Well, brother, we're de- we're so happy. We're we're so happy you decided to come on the podcast, man. Can't wait till next week. We're gonna have so much more fun. It'll be a little less serious. Um, I got I got some nerdy stuff to ask you, uh, Rodney, brother. Let's do what we do, man. Tell them where they can find you. Man, you can find me at Rod Rod Binks on tw- on X, and you can find me at Rod underscore Rod underscore Binks on Instagram. Uh, and as always, you can find me on uh, Mr. Marvel 87, both on X, formerly known as Twitter, and uh, Instagram. Make sure you follow 88 Pod 2023 on our socials. You can Google that too, trust me. Just put that A D A, that's Alpha Dog Apple Pod P O D 2023, and you'll find us all over the place. Guys, we love you. Stay positive. Rod, hit them with it. If you're looking for a different angle, we're the guys that give it to you. It's been a different angle podcast. I'll make them all see that I could be anything I want to be. If you got a dream, then you need persistence and lots of belief. Yeah. Yo, don't take that. Negative energy, I replace that. I just want to be me. I don't fake that. I just want to be free. Yeah, chase that. I got a new obsession. It's helping and teaching and giving everyone a lesson. It's living and winning and building something that's impressive. I don't want to do the same thing. I want to be progressive. Got a lot of dreams that I want to come true. Got a lot of things that I want to do. Got a lot of goals that I want to prove. There's not a lot of time, so I got to make moves.